You guys ready to get to the mountain? Leave those cicadas behind for a little bit. How many of you guys have had one of those screaming at your, they scream, you know that? My wife was telling me that. I didn't really fully believe her until one yesterday while I was cutting the grass. Came at me and was screaming. Anyway, glad to have you guys this morning here. We're going to the mountain. Welcome everyone online as well. Great to have you here. Maybe you're at the mountain, uh, wherever you are. Always great to have you joining. If you're on vacation, traveling, we're always online as well. So we're joining in today, uh, Summer on the Mountain. One of my favorite times, if you've ever been to the mountain for me, when I'm on the mountain or if we're at a cabin somewhere, is the early morning hours on the mountain. If we've gone somewhere with our kids, maybe they're still in bed and uh, you get up in the morning and go make a cup of coffee. And there's something about having a coffee on, a, on the mountain. You go out on the porch, and the mornings, even in the summertime, can be a little cooler, right? There's just the chill in the air. Maybe you need a, a sweatshirt or a hoodie or something. You got the coffee, and you look out, and you just see maybe even a little bit of a mist on the mountains like we see in those scenes, you know, opening up here. And you take that deep breath of fresh air. And, and if you're in a place where there's the pines, you know, just kind of, you smell those pines. You smell that nature. And it's just a time to reflect and to sit and to enjoy that morning. And I like those times, too, where it can be a time to pray, it can be a time to reflect, it can be a time to spend with God and God's Word, and so that's what we want to do in this time. As we're here each and every week gathering together, we're in a series called Summer on the Mountain, and we're just taking time to be with Jesus. And, and in his most famous message that's recorded in Scripture, the one that, that has impacted generations upon generations, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and it is a challenging teaching. And, and Jesus taught it literally from the side of a mountain as people gathered around him. And so we're gonna spend this time with Jesus and we're gonna listen to him, we're gonna hear these words and I want us to imagine if we had the opportunity to have some time to talk back with Jesus. So he'd share these things but now we'd have some opportunity to ask him some questions and, 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 and hear his perspective. And that's what we're gonna do today. I wanna talk about a message called the heart of the matter today as we're gonna look at Matthew chapter five beginning at verse 17. We're talking about the heart of the matter. Jesus really gets down to what's important. And I wanna, I wanna imagine, I want us to imagine that we're sitting there with Jesus and we're having that coffee, we're sitting there in the morning and he's sitting there with us and, and maybe you just start telling Jesus, look, you know, um, I keep messing up. I'm having a hard time. I just can't always seem to get it right. I wanna follow you. I'm trying to do things right. I wanna honor God with my life, but, but it's hard. <laughs> and when I think I get it, then I don't and I, and I, I screw up. And I'm not even sure that I have the desire to keep going. I don't know if it's worth it. God, I, I wanna love you. I don't know if you love me back, if, if I'm being good enough. And maybe you're in a situation where you're almost ready to throw in the towel. It's just too hard to follow the Christian life. Maybe you're wondering, you know, you see other Christians and, and the way they're living and you go, man, I just can't measure up to what they're doing. Or maybe you're dealing with something specific and go, God, I just have this anger in my heart and I can't seem to, to get past it. Help me out, God. How do, I, how do I walk this journey? How do I live this journey? How do I obey you and love you? And it's kind of all confusing. Well, Jesus is gonna speak into that today. And so we're gonna sit with him. We're gonna hear from his word. We're gonna hear from other teachings in scripture to try to help us understand this. Because here's the reality. None of us like messing up. Anyone here love just messing up? Messing up a relationship, messing up at work, messing up at school, you know, messing up, uh, you know, if you're playing on a sports team, if you're playing in a musical instrument and you mess up in the band or you sing a wrong note, none of us like to mess up. We like to follow the rules, we like to get it right. There's certain rules and ways that we're supposed to do stuff. And then it comes to faith, and we think about messing up in the faith, and the consequences are pretty extreme. We read in scripture that if we mess up in the faith, it's called sin. And if we have sin, the consequences of sin is what? Death. You don't wanna mess up in your faith. 
right? You don't want to die, right? So we feel this pressure to not mess up in our faith and to play by the rules and to get it right. It made me think of uh, when we learn like a new board game. Anyone ever learn like a brand new game? You know, you learn these new games. We've got friends of ours. uh, They've led worship here before, Chris and and Ashley Waltney. Chris started a ministry to, to nerds, to gamers, and he founded the ministry, and he think, I think he calls him the, himself, or his title is the CEN, Chief Executive Nerd. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. You can be a company and be the head of Chief Executive Nerd. But anyway, anytime they come and visit, they always bring a new game, and they introduce us to a new game. I think one of the last times they came, they introduced us to Bunny Kingdom. Bunny Kingdom sounds harmless enough, right? Um, and so you sit down, and if you've ever had this experience, you sit down at the table, and they start unpacking the board, and, and there's just like millions of pieces, Right? And you're starting to sit there going, learning a first game, and you're going, okay, okay, what's this? And they start explaining, well, here's the purpose, here's the goal, and you're, you're going, uh, this seems a little overwhelming. And what does someone always say when they're teaching you the game? Oh, oh, don't worry, it's really not that hard. You know, once you start playing, you'll get it. And so you're concentrating on trying to remember all the different rules, and you, you hit that point, if you're like me, where you just kind of start going, I don't know, let's just play, right? It's like, it's overwhelming, there's too much to try to keep track of. And then you start playing the game, and the first time, most of the time when you're playing a game like this, it's not really that fun, right? The first time you play a new game, it's not really not that fun because you're just trying not to mess up. You're trying to remember everything. Now it's my turn. Now what do I do first and second? And then you get something wrong and you lose some spaces and, and you're kind of stressed out and then the, the game's done and you never win on the first time, rarely on these kinds of games. And then the players, like, the, the person that introduced the game, like Chris, is like, isn't that a fun game? And you're like... Uh, sure, maybe we need to play it a few more times, right? And eventually, maybe you, you, you get to enjoy the game. But the purpose of the game isn't just to play by the rules and to get it all right. The purpose of the game is to have fun and to play and to enjoy, and it takes some time to get there, but you have to know the rules. You have to know the groundwork in order to be able to experience that, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. When it comes to our faith, we have to understand what are the rules? How do we live by these, piece, the, the, these, these rules that God has set in place for us, these laws? But how do we get to the point where it's not just something where it's just a burden, where it's no fun, where it's just beating us down, and where we can really live? Because the reality is, we all mess up. The reality is, I struggle in my life with pride, with lust, with greed, with selfishness. And it keeps creeping in, and I have to understand, how is that affecting my relationship with God? And maybe you're dealing with something very specific today, too, that you're struggling with. Or maybe you're not even a follower of Christ. Maybe you're saying, this is the very reason I don't want to become a Christian. There's too many rules. There's too many things to do. Or maybe uh, I just can't anymore, and you're ready to throw in the towel. Well, we're going to look at God's word. We're going to sit with him. We're going to grab that cup of coffee, and we're going to join him on the front porch up at the mountain cabin and see what he has to say. So we're going to go and be in Matthew chapter 5. If you've got it, you can turn with me to that. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be at verse 17. But just to kind of on-ramp us where we were uh, last week as we began the series, Jesus came teaching a new reality, a new kingdom called the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And Jesus is saying, look, there's this kingdom that's a reality that while you're living in this kingdom of earth, if you have your eyes open and your spiritual eyes open, there's a whole new reality. It's called the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven works very different than the kingdom on earth. As a matter of fact, it's an upside down kingdom. And just when you think you have it figured out on earth, actually the things in the kingdom of heaven work different and they're gonna lead you to a different favorable result in the way that you live. And he began the sermon by starting to teach about blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are humble, who are meek, who, who hunger for, for righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. And he starts taking this kingdom and he turns it upside down and he says, actually, the kingdom of heaven is for you. It's for all of you. It's accessible to everyone. And that is great news. 
And we celebrate that great news that the kingdom of heaven is open to everyone. And then he, he, we didn't talk about this last week, but he went on to talk about being salt and light. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Now live it out, shine that light, live those good deeds out. And so this is the introduction to Jesus's message. And I think if you're listening to him going, all right, we're in the kingdom of heaven, we got this, we're gonna let our light shine, how do we do this? So Jesus now begins to lay some of the, the ground rules. And I just, want you to, I just want you to listen in as those who heard Jesus the first time would have done. And just to listen to these words from uh, Matthew chapter five, verse 17, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Don't misunderstand why I have come, Jesus said. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So, if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, it's great news, Jesus. <laughs> It's one of those uplifting messages, right? One of those encouraging messages, and you're going, okay, this is confusing. This passage has confused followers of, of Christ for the last 2,000 years, as it has those that first heard it. I thought this is good news of the kingdom, and Jesus, you seem to be making it really hard, the laws and the rules and the old law, and, and so let's, let's, let's sit with Jesus, and let's kind of unpack this a little bit verse by verse, okay? Let's look at this first verse, Matthew 5, 17. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. See, if Jesus already knew that he was gonna be misunderstood, that we're gonna hear this and we're not gonna hear it right. And the things that he's gonna say and he's gonna teach throughout his ministry, we're not gonna understand correctly or we're gonna wanna misinterpret or misunderstand. So he's saying, let me just be clear. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I wanna help you understand this better. And in relation to the law, which was the Old Testament, the prophecies. I didn't come to abolish it, I came to achieve its purpose, right, until its purpose is achieved. So as we, as we look at these pieces, and we look at this idea of law, what is God's law? What's God's law? What's he referring to in the scriptures when he talks about God's law? Well, he said the Old Testament law and the prophets, so in one sense, it's the entire Old Testament, it's all the scriptures that they had, the law and the prophets, but the law was, was more than just the Ten Commandments. The law was the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, De Deuteronomy, Numbers. Wait, I got that out of order, I think, or whatever. The first five books, right? In, Germany, in, in, in German Bible, it's called the first five books of Moses. First, second, third, fourth, and fifth Moses. A little bit easier to remember. Um, but this was the law. This was the Pentateuch, the five books um, that, that were considered the law. And in the pinnacle of those were the Ten Commandments. But in addition to those were another 603 laws these rules that govern their life, and so they were continually living under those. Now, we might say, that seems oppressive, 603 laws to, to follow God, but it governed their society and how they live. That's just a, a fraction of what we live under. Have you ever seen any of our law books? Have you ever studied law? Have you ever been in a law library? Do you know how many laws there are that we are under right now, that we live under at this very moment, regulating all kinds of things? They are under law, they understood this law. And so Jesus was saying, look, 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 I did not come to abolish, to unhitch, to, to, to just leave that in the past. 
No, no, no. And how many of us want to do that? Oh, that's just the Old Testament. We're New Testament people. We don't have to follow the Old Testament anymore. That's, I mean, that's some great stories, but no, we're free from that. Jesus said, no, no, time out. I didn't come to get rid of that. No, not at all. Look what it says in 2 Timothy 3.19. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. All scripture, it teaches us, it shows us how to live life. And yet we want, might just say, oh, well, you know, the Bible, God's word, I mean, that's great, that's nice, but it's all about God's grace and truth. No, no, no. All scripture can teach us how to live, and we need to look at our lives in light of scripture, and what we like to do is we like to live our lives and look at society and say, oh, the Bible's wrong here, the Bible can't possibly be right there. No, 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 in the upside down kingdom, we follow the teachings. All scripture is useful and purposeful in helping us understand how to live life. The whole Bible is important, relevant, and it's used by God to guide us. As a matter of fact, we spent all last summer, remember the Hang 10 series, going through the 10 commandments. Not because they're irrelevant to us today, because they're very relevant in how we need to live. But Jesus said, look, I didn't come to abolish that. It's not gone, it's there. And as we're gonna see, he's saying we're gonna, we need to keep holding that. But he said, I came to accomplish its purpose. Accomplish, to make it full, to make it complete. They were, they were given for a reason, but now how are we gonna experience the fullness of that? What is the purpose of that law? But notice he says, I came. I came, he refers to himself. Here's, here's such an important piece. Jesus is the fulfillment and embodiment of the law. Jesus himself, it's not just Jesus' teachings that are the fulfillment of the law. Jesus himself, he as the being, is the, the, the embodiment and the fulfillment of that, that law. When we read in, in the, the book of John, the Gospel of John, it says the word became flesh, the word, the logos, the, the word eternal, became flesh and lived among us. It's the law with skin on. When Jesus is teaching, in John, we, we read, he says, I am, I, he says, Jesus, I am what? The way, not the law. I am the what? The truth. Wait a second, truth, is, don't you have to read somewhere where it says truth? The truth is embodied in a person in Jesus Christ. And if you understand who he is, he's also the life. The way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to experience life, you experience Christ. So he is the, the, the fulfillment of that law. He is what it means to be, um, for the law to be accomplished. And so we're looking at Jesus, but not only did, did he embody, he, I mean, is he the law? He embodies it. He lives it out. So as we follow and watch his life, we see how he interacts with the law and lives it out all throughout his earthly life, but then points us to something much bigger as the fulfillment in him. So we're gonna continue to get to that here in just a minute. So he, so he didn't come to uh, abolish it, he came to accomplish it. Moving on, verse 18. I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So right, like, like nothing is gonna go, go away. The smallest detail, not even one, it says in some translations, one iota. One like little dot of an eye is not gonna go away until its purpose is accomplished. So what's the purpose of God's law? It's a natural question. You go with Jesus. Now, all right, all right, Jesus. Well, then what's the purpose? Why do we have the law? Well, let me give you another example first, and we'll relate it back to God's law. How many of you have uh, ever learned how to play a musical instrument? Musical instrument? 
Okay, if you're watching online, type in which instrument you've, you've played before. How many of you have learned a new language or attempted to learn a new language, all right? Lots of you guys, okay. So when you're learning a new instrument, when you're learning a new language, what do you, where do you begin? Music, you have to learn the notes. And once you learn the notes, then you have to learn the laws of music. What are the laws of music? Scales. I mean, I was like, oh. Anyone ever tired of, of playing scales when you're learning piano or guitar or some instrument, right? You're learning the scales. And if you're learning language, what do you do? You get, make flashcards, you learn basic words, vocabulary. And then you have to learn the grammar. You have to learn how to conjugate verb and, and, and noun together and past tense and all the different aspects of, of how to construct a language. Not very fun as you begin. I mean, there's some parts of it, but at the same time, have you ever gone to hear anyone in an amazing concert who plays scales? <laughs> right? You don't do that, right? Did you ever come and have a, you know, try to have a conversation or read a book by someone who just learns how to use vocabulary? It's like reading like Google Translate sometimes. It's like it doesn't quite make sense. The, line, the order doesn't always seem right. That's not the purpose. The purpose of these is ultimately that you can play music that you can make an amazing song, that, that, that you can compose something, that you could even maybe just uh, improvise as you're playing, that you can speak a language where you can connect thoughts and ideas and, and, and express yourself in a certain way, that you can connect with somebody, that you can express love. That's a much bigger purpose. Now, you're still bound by the rules of the language for it to make sense. You're still stuck to the, the scales and the way that music and notes interrelate. Inter but now you have the freedom to really see what it's like to play music, to speak a new language. That would be the ultimate goal. So we see the relationship of, of, of law and what the purpose of it is in those settings. So what is it today? What is it when we think about the purpose of, of God's laws? Well, the purpose of God's law, I would say this, to show us to live in right relationship with God and with one another so we can be free to live life to the fullest. It shows us how to live in right relationship with God and with one another, how to have that relationship, but ultimately to live in this freedom to experience life to the fullest. And that's what our mission is as a church, to help people experience life to the fullest in Christ. It's not to try to live to the letter of the law, to try to not mess up, to just try to do everything just right, to hope that God doesn't strike us down. No, to live in the freedom of what it feels like to know that you're loved and you can live according to God's purpose. I mean, that's the same purpose of our laws today in our country. They're not here to try to oppress us. They're here to try to help us create a foundation where we can live and experience life and live in freedom. We have more laws than you could ever imagine, and yet we say one of our values as a nation is our freedom. <laughs> How can we be a free nation when we have laws? Should we not, shouldn't we just do away with all those things? But no, they're there to help us experience a good life and to live a great life. So we have these laws. The purpose of God's law, to be in right relationship with God and with others and to live that out. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? Over 600 commandments in the Old Testament. What's most important? Here's what he, he replied. You probably know this if you've been in the church for a while. If not, this is important for all of us to hear. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, loving God, right? A second is equal and important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. The entire law, everything. What's it based on? What's the ultimate goal? Isn't obedience, it's love. To have love towards God, to have love towards others. This is what the purpose of the law is. This is why it exists. 
to be in right relationship with God and with others and to love. Well, Jesus moves on after you understand the purpose is achieved. Now he's got, verse 19. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. This verse, Jesus is simply saying, look, there's, there's, a, there's a desire for obedience. Greatness in the kingdom of heaven has to do with obedience to God's laws. But you might be saying, I thought we were free from the laws. Why would Jesus equate greatness in the kingdom of heaven to obedience? How are we doing as a nation in obedience to God's laws? How are we doing as the church in obedience to God's laws? How are we doing as a people, as an individual? How are you and I doing in obeying God's laws? Again, we love to twist and look for ways to make the scriptures fit what we want it to, but some of the hard truths, some of the hard realities that govern our sexuality, that govern our morality, that govern our ethics, that in the kingdom of heaven is how we ought to live as followers of Christ are in an upside down kingdom. They aren't based on what happens in the society around us. They're not based on what happens in Hollywood and what culture tells us. They are based and rooted in God's truth. And Jesus said not one of these laws is gonna disappear until their, their purpose is accomplished. And so we, Jesus is concerned about obedience. And, the, and he really cares about people who teach obedience, teach obedience versus not living in that obedience. Why is obedience important? Let me ask parents, why is obedience important from your, for your children? There's a lot of reasons why it's important, right? Obedience, I mean, it, it, we don't wanna say obedience and love are connected, but they do seem to say, right? There's, there's a sense of showing love when you're obedient. There's an honor. Wait a second, I think there's one of the commandments that talks about honoring father and mother. To be obedient, to obey, because there's a respect there, and it shows there's a blessing there. And as a parent, we look and we say, I just want you to have the best life possible, so I'm gonna set these ground rules for you to help you live and to, to get the most out of your life. And as a parent, when there's disobedience, your heart breaks for the kid, but it also feels like there's not respect there. You don't value what I value. It must not be important to you. Do you not care? Is there not honor? And so, so God, I think in that same way, it's, it's a relationship breaker with him, but it's also a heartbreaker for him to see that when we break those laws and those rules, it leads to our demise. We don't flourish when we live apart from God's laws. But here comes the problem. This is forever the problem. The problem, we continually fail and fall short of God's standard. Every one of us. Any of you have a perfect child in your home? Any of you ever were a perfect child growing up? <laughs> right? No. We can't even do it in this earthly life. And spiritually, we fail, we fall. And so this is the conundrum that we're in. Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. How, who? Everyone. Raise your hand if you sinned. Look around. Look around, online, look around. If they, we're all raising our hands. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. This is why this is confusing. This is going, God, what, what, Jesus, what are you talking about, right? The Jews broke the laws over and over again, all throughout the, test, the, the Old Testament, right? They're, God, we're with you, and then phew, they fail. God, we're with you, we're sorry, and they fail. And it's a pattern that, that we can all experience in, in our life in certain ways. And so if I'm listening to Jesus right now, I think, man, I hope you have some good news for me. I hope you make it maybe a little bit easier. Or maybe, maybe the Jews that were there, they're going, yeah, well, I'm glad we at least have the Pharisees and the teachers of the law because, man, as I look at them, they really are doing it right and they're trying to teach us how to obey this law. Jesus, we're trying to listen to our Pharisees and our teachers. We're, we're doing our best we can. Jesus, would you make it a little bit easier for us? Would you lower the bar? And then comes verse 20. 
But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus might as well as put a sign up that says, uh, kingdom of heaven closed. I mean, just as we're reading this now and as we're experiencing this going, God, they, they did that at, at, at the first hearing of this too. Jesus, what, what do you mean? Unless the, uh, our righteousness is better than that of the Pharisees. They're the gold standard of obedience. This is, this is impossible to do. I mean, that's who they looked up to and revered in that day. That'd be like saying to you today, hey, unless your righteousness exceeds that of Billy Graham and Mother Teresa and Tim Tebow, <laughs> you will not enter <laughs> the kingdom of heaven. Talk about creating tension and attention in a message, right? It's confusing. I thought, Jesus, you said the kingdom of heaven belongs to us, but now you're saying unless we're more righteous than the Pharisees, we're not gonna be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. We're, we're doomed. Exactly. Exactly. Look what it says in uh, Romans 3.20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Being made right with God, that's that righteousness. The law can't make us righteous. It simply shows us how sinful we are, and that's why we keep failing. And so, Jesus, this is confusing. And begins to beg the question, then, what is righteousness? If, we, if our righteousness has to be better than the Pharisees, maybe we're misunderstanding righteousness, and we saw it as one thing, as just being completely obedient to the law and never messing up, but obviously it's gotta be something else. I thought righteousness and obeying the law puts us in right standing with God, and we live right with others. Jesus, what... What is this about? There's gotta be a better way. What, what are you getting at? Well, see, even in the Old Testament, there was already a foreshadowing, a prophesying in Jeremiah of a new day, of a new covenant, when things would look different in the relationship between God and his people. And so we read about that in Jeremiah 31, 33. Jeremiah is saying, but, in this, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. And here's what this new covenant is. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Scripture talks about this, this, this is a, a law that's not written on stone tablets or on scrolls, but something that's impressed on the human heart. That's a difference, that's, that's different than a, a book full of laws versus something that, that is lived out in the heart. One pastor put it this way, Ryan Paulson says, Jesus is inviting us to a transformed internal life rather than a conformed external life. That's what Jesus is inviting us into, and so much of the focus on the law and getting it right is about conforming externally. This is what I have to do to be a good-looking Christian that fits the mold of going to church and doing the right things and saying the right things, and if I just act my way, maybe then I become one. Well, you can do all the right things. You can be sitting in this church for 50 years and look like you've got it all together, but the art transformation hasn't happened yet. The law is not gonna transform us. It's about the internal transformation that God is talking about. The law can never change a person's heart. Again, let's put it in a different context. Is someone a good American because they don't break any laws? Are you a good American just because you don't have a criminal record and your US passport or your birth certificate says born in the USA? You're an American. 
But you can not have a criminal record and be lazy as all get out, be as rude as all get out, and to care only about yourself and be greedy and, and, and just who knows what kind of life you live. It doesn't make you a good American because you can obey the laws. But what makes, what's the spirit of a good American? What, what is it about sacrifice, about caring for other people, about, about working hard, right? I mean, those, so you, so you see that even as you look at your faith, it's not just about obeying the rules, it's, it's what's at the, the heart of the matter. What's going on? What does Jesus want to do within us? He's setting a new foundation in the upside-down kingdom. The law is not going to be done away with, but we're not going to start there. We want to start with an inner transformation. But then he says, basically he's going, all right, now let me give you an example. Like, good preacher, you try to give an example. Jesus modeled this for us. He says, actually, I'm going to give you lots of examples. And over the next several weeks, we're going to look at all these examples that what Jesus is trying to get at when he says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but accomplish it, and what it looks like in our lives. So here's just we're gonna look at the first one today. In verse 21, you've heard it said that our ancestors were, were told, you must not murder, murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. So Jesus now gives this, gives this, this example. Here in the Old Testament, this, this law about not murdering. And if you're listening, maybe going, oh, good, I'm glad he picked that one, because check, I'm good on that one. I hope, I hope we're all good on that one, um, Right? I must be righteous in that sense. I have not murdered anyone. Exactly. And, and, and he's saying, yeah, that's the Old Testament. I'm not, not doing away with that. Absolutely. But then he goes on to say, but I say. So now a contrast, right? You've heard it said, but I say. You're going to see that pattern throughout the, the Sermon on the Mount. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of, of hell. Angry with someone, calling them an idiot, cursing someone. Some of you did all three on the way to church today. <laughs> You're driving along just fine, somebody cut you off. You're like, oh, idiot. Mm. Bleep, bleep. Right? Congratulations. This is not good news, Jesus. <laughs> like we said, the problem is we have trouble obeying. Jesus is saying, look, look, it's, what good is it if you just follow the law? So you're not a murderer. That's great. That's great. You didn't kill anybody, but you're harboring murderous kinds of thoughts, things that lead to that. Where does every murder probably begin? At some point, there's anger. There's some point there's calling somebody something, a name, there's some point of cursing. So, so the, the embers of murder are burning inside. And yet because you don't kill somebody, you have the self-awareness and the discipline not to kill somebody does not mean that you are righteous. It does not mean that you are in right relationship with someone else, that you are in right relationship with God. So he's just upping the ante and saying, look, look, it's not just about following the letter of the law. It's about understanding what's behind this. Listen, Jesus' people will live not to obey the law, but to live out the spirit of the law, right? To live out the spirit of the law. What is behind it? What is this purpose that Jesus is trying to accomplish? And it's a transformed person relating differently with other people, relating differently with God. And in that foundation, finding the freedom to live life to the fullest, that's what Jesus is getting at. And then he says, all right, let's connect this to our faith. Let's connect this very example of anger, how it can lead to something, and what God's trying to do in you directly affects our relationship with God. 
So he says, now let's say you're going to church, or in this case, you're going to the temple. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. He's saying this really makes a difference in everyday life. Like, don't just have this, like, oh, God, I'm so sorry, and, and here's my sacrifice. I, I, I have these feelings, and I'm harboring this issue against somebody. He's saying, don't even bring the sacrifice. You come to worship here today to say, God, you know, restore my relationships and forgive me, but you haven't gone to the other person. He's saying, why are you even making that sacrifice? Because in your heart, there's still that same feeling. There's still those same issues. Go and take care of that. Then come and offer your gift. Then come and worship. In 1 John 4, 20, it says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? So you see, he's making this connection here in, again, living out this purpose of life, good relationship, righteousness with other people, righteousness with God, they are linked together. And he's calling us to action, then he ends with just a real practical piece, like, hey, if you're on your way to court and you got an issue with someone, go and settle that difference. Take care of it before it's too late. Make this application of the law and how you're living. Make it real. Live it out and engage with other people in that way. So as we're looking at this and we're sitting back with Jesus on the mountain, we're going, all right, Jesus, this is hard to understand. We're having our coffee with him. We're, we're asking him, God, what, what do I do then? How, how do I deal with this? And he's coming back saying, Mark, I just want your heart. I want that transformation to begin on the inside. It's gonna take time. It's a process, transformation doesn't happen overnight. Now you're gonna be, you can be saved overnight, God can wipe our sins clean, but this process of, of following him, you're gonna have your ups, you're gonna have your downs, but I want you to get it right, not just to try to live according to the letter of the law. Galatians 3, 21 to 22 says, if the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scripture declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. If the law could make us right, if we could work our way and obey our way into salvation, great, just follow the laws. But no, we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. This is really the good news for all of us. This is the hope, and so as Jesus is teaching this, as he's saying, it's hard to get in the kingdom of heaven, and the law does not, not, not change. But what he's getting at is saying, look, I want that transformation to begin on the inside. And if you will receive Christ, him as the person, he is the way, when you begin that relationship with him, that transformation starts happening. And he helps us and guides us and shows us how to live in accordance to his laws in a way where it doesn't become burdensome like playing scales and trying to remember vocabulary, but where we can start making music and enjoying the game that we're playing or you know, speaking in another language. That's what it's all about. Jesus wants us to live in that freedom with him. I wanna end with this verse, Philippians 3, 9. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. I no longer, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, rather, Get this, how do I become righteous? I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. So in the end, it's not our own righteousness. It's not, God, how good I am, how good I did everything just right. It's us falling at the cross and falling at the feet of Jesus and saying, I'm sinful. 
I continue to mess up, but God, I'm trying, but I can't do it without you. And it's not my righteousness that God sees when I come before the throne. He sees Jesus who came and died on a cross for our sins, who, who starts with forgiveness and says, I forgive you. I forgive you. And when, from that foundation now says, all right, now let's begin the work of transformation. And as we walk that path, we have our ups and downs, but God's gonna renew and restore. But if you're just trying to earn it, if you're just trying to get there, if you're just trying to be good enough, you will fail every single time. Because sin has a hold of us and, and we struggle, but we can have victory over that and we can make progress in that way. But let it begin by Christ in us. You don't have to struggle, you don't have to stay condemned. There is freedom. There's freedom to live fully, to live freely. Not by the law, but because of what Christ did for us. That's why we gather here every week. That's why we worship, because we say without Jesus, and what a beautiful name it is. Because without him, we wouldn't have our faith. We wouldn't have salvation. We wouldn't have hope. We can't live in, we couldn't live in the freedom. We'd constantly be like, oh, I'm good, I'm bad. I'm in, I'm out. Oh, I had a couple good days, great. Oh, I went to three months and I did well, and now I failed again. And we would live in that constant tension. And Jesus says, begin on the inside. Know that I've paid for your sin. And now just come and walk towards me, pursuing the spirit of the law. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these hard truths. But Jesus, that you taught us that the way the, the spirit works, the way the kingdom of, of heaven works is not the way it works here in this world. But God, that we can experience the freedom when we surrender to you. Father, I pray for any here today that have just been struggling. Maybe they just have, have out and outright sinned this week in a way that is just beating them up or is just eating them up. Or maybe there's something in the past, God, that just feels like it's a barrier between them and you. God, would you give release today as they ask for forgiveness and just simply surrender and say, God, I give this to you. Maybe right now in this moment, I'll give you a moment of quiet just to, to bring before God whatever it is that you feel like it's been holding you back from him or something you keep failing on or, or just is, is a block for you before him. Just bring that to him right now. Heavenly Father, remind us in this moment, deep in our soul, God, that you forgive, that you forget that peace and set it behind us so that now we can experience the freedom to just take the next steps with you, to move forward, and just to continue to pursue you with everything that we have. Give us that courage today and help us to experience the joy and the freedom that comes when we live for you and we have great relationship with you. We love you, Lord. We give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship.